0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Kona Shane Veterinary Podcast, guys. I am your host, Doctor Andy Work. I, I am so thrilled at the feedback I'm getting on the "Charming the Angry Client" course that I put out. This is a course that is for vet teams. I'm going to talk a little bit about it later on in the episode that you can hear. But if you're looking for a way to train your staff on conflict resolution and uh, dealing with angry, upset, complaining clients, head on over to drandywork.com and check out "Charming the Angry Client: A Team Training Guide." All right. Let's get into this episode here. I am here today with Dr. Tina Wismer. Uh, She is the director at the ASPCA uh, Animal Poison Control Center, and she is amazing. We get into summer toxins we are talking about not necessarily the most common ones because you guys know those these are the most common ones that you'd be surprised by and so we're getting into that a little bit i guys i gotta tell you compost piles i did not i did not think about that um we we talk about a lot of this stuff so anyway i hope you love the episode i will talk to you later on let's get into it this is your show we're glad you're here we want to have Veterinary
1: career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke.
0: Welcome, Dr. Tina Wismer. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So you so let's talk a little bit about what you do. We met a couple years ago at Western. That conference through a friend, uh, Dr. Mary Beth Leininger, who is a wonderful human being and one of my, um, one of my veterinary heroes. Tell me, tell me about, tell me about your, your sort of your career tra- trajectory, tell me about uh, your work with ASPCA, poison control. Yeah, walk,
1: walk me through kind of what you do. Sure. So I started in regular daytime practice and I realized after about a year that this wasn't the job for me right? I would watch my boss interact with clients, and he really seemed to care about, you know, their families. And I was kind of the person, just leave your animal, let me fix it. Um, So from there, I went to emergency medicine, where that's exactly what I could do, right? Give me the animal, let me fix it. And after a couple years doing emergency, um, I saw the job advertised at Animal Poison Control, and I would always loved the toxicology part of it. Found out that this was an alternative residency to become boarded in toxicology, and now I've been here almost twenty-three years.
0: That okay? I love your story so much, and I just I just want to call this out at the very beginning. I see so many doctors who get into practice and they say, "Oh, this is not what I thought it was," or "This is not for me," and they feel like they're just defeated and they're just done. And and it goes, "God, vet medicine is a house." With a million rooms, and there are so many ways to just kind of find your own way. And so I just, I, first of all, thank you for sharing that. I do, I love to hear that story. Someone who uh, is as respected as you, who says I went to practice a clinical practice, and it wasn't what I wanted it to be, and so I found another way. I, I love that you do that. We're here uh, in the summertime in South Carolina. I had this. Uh, I was, I was cooking dinner uh, about, oh, about three days ago. It was last weekend. Uh, it, And this car comes screeching into my driveway and they're driving like a maniac out the driveway and they pull in and my wife is like, who is that? And I was like, I have no idea. And this woman jumps out and she has a, um, she's got a toy poodle in her arms and she comes running up to the house and we both kind of recognize her as the neighbor who lives down the road, who, you know, I, I, I've spoken to her maybe once or twice uh, but she clearly knows I'm a vet because here comes a toy poodle. And this uh, six-pounder has eaten a single raisin. And she's like a first-time dog owner. And this is her baby uh, named Squirt. And she said, you got to help Squirt. And um, and there I was uh, making a tiny poodle throw up. Uh, yeah, so uh, it's the time of uh, summer toxicoses. And I thought, you know what? I just I just want to check myself, first of all, on grapes and raisins. And make sure that my knowledge is up to date. But then also, let's talk about some other toxins in the summertime and just give me a quick refresher so I feel confident on my feet if I get any more summertime toxins. Does that sound okay? Sounds
1: like a plan. All
0: right, cool. Let's start with uh, grapes and raisins. Um, Yeah, I've got this. So I've got this little dog, six pounds, uh, heading up the driveway. Real quick, be an angel on my shoulder and run through what do I need to know about this case? What do I want to make sure that I don't forget? What is new in uh, in treating these dogs?
1: So we actually think that we have determined what the toxic component in grapes and raisins are. And it's something called tartaric acid. We find it in high levels in grapes and raisins and in fruits like tamarind, okay? Um, and dogs are uniquely sensitive to tartaric acid, and it causes kidney failure. Now, the problem is, is that different varieties of grapes and raisins, different maturity of the fruit, it's got different levels of tartaric acid in it. So even though we know what the compound is, or at least we suspect we know, we can't look at a grape or raisin and say, oh, yeah that's a really high one. We need to worry about our dog's kidneys or eh, that's not going to be a problem. So because we don't do kidney transplants in dogs, right? We decontaminate them. So what we've learned is that we induce vomiting in these guys, right? Usually if it's more than a raisin per 10 pounds, okay? okay. Or a grape per 10 pounds, we usually decontaminate them. That makes me
0: feel good. We, I, I was at a raisin per six pounds uh, as I'm like, all right, good. So far, so good.
1: Right. And one thing we have found out is that owners give horrible histories, right? Many times we get the dog ate five raisins, we induce vomiting, and we get 10 raisins back, right? Yeah. They're not reproducing in the stomach, so we just have a bad history. Yeah. Um, We've started not giving these guys charcoal, okay? Doesn't seem to get them out of the hospital any faster, and with the risk of possible aspiration, we don't do that too much anymore. Okay. If we don't get good emesis back, then we do put these guys on fluids to protect their kidneys. Usually a diuretic rate for about 48 hours. If we have owners that of course can't afford hospitalization or don't want to hospitalize, then what we do is we send these dogs home and the owners have instructions to watch them like a hawk for the next 48 hours. If they vomit at all, whether it's 2 a.m. or 2 p.m., you take that dog in immediately to the veterinarian and get it started on
0: fluids. Okay, let's unpack that a little bit because I so I've wrestled with this for a long time, right? This, this is the classic raisin uh great problem in my mind, is that this person comes in, they've got a mid-sized dog, you know, 30, 40 pounder, the dog is bouncing happily around the exam room. It's thrilled because today it got to eat something new and and it's, it's just exciting times. So the dog is thrilled, mom is concerned, and dad is annoyed, you know, and he's like, Why are we here? And and like that that is that's God I see that Uh, that that's always been my experience and um and so I'm talking to it I'm like or or they're like they're not sure the dog actually ate the grapes or the raisins the kids spilled the box of raisins and we're not exactly sure what happened and I you know I I feel like oh there's such a big discrepancy in saying you need to be here for 48 hours on IV fluids or you can go home like those are massive differences in the resources that are being spent by the owner and my worry is always you know if i take this happy bouncing around dog and i let him go home then uh what if what if it's, what if I make the wrong call and, and, and just it always seemed to me like by the it, by the time we see anything is it too late you know um unpack for me a little bit the idea of i know this is an ideal but if he vomits comes straight in isn't that too late by the time that we're seeing vomiting from like kidney damage
1: so Tartaric acid itself is irritating to the stomach, so we can see vomiting before we see renal involvement. It's actually the first clinical sign we see. So, if they vomit, they need to come in right away. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's it's okay to wait, but you need to have you need to know your owners, right? They need to be there and watching the dog. You don't want them to come in two days later with a dog that's been puking its guts out, you know, behind the couch, um, and is now in renal failure.
0: Is there any breed specific uh, considerations I need to make in this? I think in the past we've always said no, we don't really know, but is there any difference to that now?
1: It doesn't appear to be. Um, you know, small dogs are tend to be more at risk just because, you know, they tend to eat, you know, more raisins per pound than a larger dog. What are
0: uh what are other toxins that we're seeing right now in summer? What are the most common things that pop up in June, July?
1: So right now, mushrooms are, you know, everybody has mushrooms growing in their yard. Um, and one of the problems with mushrooms is that, at least in my world, I can't identify whether it's a toxic mushroom or not. Right. Now, fortunately, there are some, um, you know, social media sites and things like that that will identify from photographs.
0: Yeah, I have a high school kid in my neighborhood uh, that's that nails it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, go ahead. <laughs>
1: not those kind of mushrooms. yeah no, no. no.
0: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> He's good for some things it's, uh, you know, I wouldn't trust his medical opinion. All right.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, we want people to go out, you know, in the morning and get rid of the mushrooms in their yard before the dogs go out there and eat them. Um, that's going to be the safest things. But if not, if your dog eats a mushroom, right, I would say call your veterinarian and, you know, probably induce vomiting because they can be really bad or it might not be a problem at all. But we can't right. wait with those.
0: Okay. So yeah, just general straight away. If we don't know what it is, it comes up. Yep. And then same thing with activated charcoal. We don't think we, I mean, do you go that far? You just say, we're just going to do our best to get it out and then be done with it.
1: If you get a good amount back with emesis, then no need for charcoal. If the owner knows the dog ate it, you don't get anything back, then I would give a dose of charcoal.
0: Guys, let me take a quick moment here to talk about this Charming the Angry Client course that I mentioned earlier. Uh, it is um, it's pretty different from anything that you've seen before. I will tell you, I've been thinking about this and work on this for a long time, and this was my pandemic project. So what you got is an hour uh, of little modules, on training the trainer, which means if you're going to be running this training or you're going to be working on some skill building with your team, uh, I got I got you covered. I've got content there. It's broken up into little modules that you can watch in little bits and pieces. You can just focus on the things that you want, the little skills you want to pick up. That stuff is all laid out for you. And then I've got uh, an hour of instruction, again, broken out into little modules. These things are made to stand alone. They're made to be tagged onto the end of your staff meeting. You don't have to take an hour and do this if you don't want. You can do 10 minutes and just be like, hey, guys, we're going to pick up a new tool in the bag. And Andy's gonna run through it with you, and make you smile and laugh, and also teach you really good stuff. This is the uh, this is the organizational response model that I've been teaching for ten years. Uh, it has been updated uh, continuously, and it is it is. It is good. It is tried and true and polished and tested and it is ready for delivery to your practice. And the last part is I got a bunch of examples. I've got 10 examples. I got cat examples. I got dog examples. I got euthanasia examples. I got emergency examples. I got phone call examples. And these are just examples. They're about 30, 45 seconds long that you can pop on the screen, show to your team and say, guys. What do we do about this? And I actually, I, I give you a bunch of open-ended questions that, uh, for each of them. That is meant to open this discussion up and get you into a productive place where your people are telling you what they think is important. And you guys are working together to build your response as a team. And guys, that's how people retain this. That's how they get really good. That's how they grow their skills. And so, anyway, I just... um I got to say, I'm I'm really proud of it. I I hope that you guys will love it. It is on sale. We're doing a launch sale. It's $100 off right now. Uh, Head over to drandywork.com. Check it out. I'd love to hear what you think. All right, let's get back into this episode. What else do we see in this hour?
1: So people are gardening right now. So we're seeing things like herbicides and fertilizers.
0: I did not think about that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about fertilizers first. So the nice thing about fertilizers is they're relatively safe in dogs. Um, and it is usually dogs, because if you think about what's fertilizer, it's like chicken feathers, chicken manure, blood meal, bone meal. I mean, if you're a dog, what's what's better, right? Yeah,
0: yeah this, is, this is heaven in a bag.
1: Yeah, so with fertilizers, we see vomiting and diarrhea, and if they eat enough, we can see this weird syndrome, happens about 24 hours after ingestion, where the dogs will be a little stiff, especially on their hind end, it goes away in about you know another twenty four hours. But just as a veterinarian, you know, if a dog comes in kind of stiff in the hind end, you know, you can ask, did he eat any fertilizer? And the answer may be yes.
0: That's yeah. That's not a question I would have I would have put out there. What's the what's the mechanism of that? Why does that happen?
1: We have no idea. Unfortunately, the thought is perhaps some of the heavy metals um, that are in the fertilizers, but no one really knows.
0: Okay. Are there summertime foods? I'm thinking cookout foods, things like that, that I need to pay particular attention to as people get together for Fourth of July. uh, You know, just summertime barbecues, Labor Day's coming up, uh,
1: things like that. Yeah. So probably the most dangerous is not toxic, and that's corn on the cob, right? Yeah. Yeah. So from the toxin side, most likely uh, to get dogs into trouble are onions and garlic. So when people are going ahead and making their shish kebabs, they've got those nice chunks Mm. of onion on there, Um, dogs will eat that. But it takes almost 15 grams per kilo of onion to cause anemia and about 10 grams per kilo of garlic to cause a problem. So, you know, one piece of onion that's dropped, the dog eats it, we're not going to care. But if it eats that blooming onion from Outback, yeah, that dog needs to come in and see you.
0: Gotcha okay, so yeah that, that's good I knew I knew it was it was a lot of onion um corn on the cob I had a uh, I saw a dog a couple of days ago that came in uh, for eating corn on the cob and the uh, the guy was there he wasn't the owner he he was the the father of the owner. He had come down from North Carolina drove down to South Carolina to bring the dog in to the clinic and he, and we're in the room and he says, yeah, he ate the kids corn on the cob. And I said, we're pretty sure. And he was like, yeah, we're definitely sure. And I said, okay. And the dog looked fine. So I went ahead and took x-rays. And sure enough, there's something, there's a foreign body in the stomach. And I go, well, that, that's it. And so I I said, well, we're going to try emesis and see see what happens and see if we can get this out because it's right there in the stomach. And then <laughs> the dog throws up a bunch of socks and no corn on the cob. I was like, "Well, I, can I the good news is uh, I did not find corn on the cob. Bad news, I got a bunch of socks and none of them were, were matched pairs. So, uh, so there's casualties that way too. And uh, <laughs> he, he was so happy. And I was like, "It's how how odd." It's like, nope. The kids swore that he ate a corn on the cob. And I don't. He did not. But he did eat some of their socks. So yeah, summertime corn cob. My uh, my own dog. I went. Uh, he sort of escaped from the yard. He's not a he's not a good dog. He he lives his truth and it is not defined by our standards of good dogs. And so he. Uh, I I was look. I was calling him and I got a, a, the neighbor called back and I guess they had a compost pile and my dog happily came running back with a corn cob in his mouth and of course I almost had a panic attack like oh my god and I wanted to ask the neighbor how many of these were there and are they still here the uh the old corn on the cob problem, awesome.
1: So you bring up a good point. Compost piles, right? Right. Compost piles can grow um mycotoxins, right? Tremorgenic mycotoxins. Um, so molds that can actually cause tremors and seizures. So we'll have dogs get into those, and then they show up, you know, full body tremors and need to be treated.
0: Oh wow! Is there um are there any are there any insightful questions that help you unearth that? I mean, when you so you see full-body tremors, Is that one of the first places that you think when you see that presentation?
1: I do. I ask about the garbage. Did he get into any moldy food? Compost piles? Do you have any fruit or nut trees in your yard that may be dropping fruit that could be moldy this time of year? And usually I hit on one of those. And the owner is like, oh, yeah, you know, I threw off the cream cheese yesterday and the dog ate it. And yeah, they start to tremor.
0: Gotcha. And then uh, treatment along those lines.
1: Your very best friend is methocarbamol.
0: Good old Robaxin. Really? Yeah. Mo- muscle relaxant and supportive care. Very nice. Well, this is awesome. I I feel like I'm feel like i the young parent who meets the older parent who tells me things that I had no idea I should be worried about. <laughs> you know, like you give me a whole new list of things to, to stress over. Like, holy cripes. I had no idea my neighbor's compost pile was a death trap waiting for my pet. Um, I should have I should have been more aware of that. Yeah.
1: This job really does cover or color your um world view, right? Because everything is toxic. It just it's the amount that changes. No, I just so, imagine
0: you at barbecues being like, Oh, you know that's toxic. That too.
1: Those are all poisonous. Look at Yeah, totally. Totally.
0: Oh, man. Well, uh, Dr. Wismer, thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Where can people find you? Where can they find more about poison control? Uh, yeah. Where, where, uh, where can people get more information on these topics?
1: Sure. Um, we have a website at ASPCA.org and you can type in, you know, whatever kind of toxin you're looking for um, and it'll take you to that page. We also have a list of both toxic and non-toxic plants that may come in handy.
0: That's super great. Are these uh, are these resources appropriate for pet owners as well? Is this something that I can send pet owners to if they have questions about toxins that their pet might've encountered?
1: Yes, we have articles for both the public side and the veterinary side.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you for inviting me
0: and that is our episode guys i hope you enjoy it i hope you got something out of it uh if you did please share it with your friends please uh rate it on itunes and uh do all the things that people ask you to do gang i hope you're having a great summer uh i know summers are super stressful i know the practices are busy i just want to take a moment in in all seriousness and say um good on you good on you for all the hard work that you're doing uh, good on you for for struggling to balance your personal life and your uh, and your professional life. Like I, I, we're all feeling that. So I just want you to feel seen and know that, uh, man, I see what you're doing and uh, and I'm proud of you and uh, and I wish you the best. and I'm thinking about you today. So keep it up, uh, keep that chaos reined in, and live your life and have some fun along the way. Cause man, it's uh, it's summertime. Take it easy, gang. Bye.